The identity of a high-profile survivor of sexual assault in Quebec is revealed. Two parents camp outside Victoria's Legislative Assembly waiting for child services to return their newborn. Canadians who didn't show up for the repatriation flight from Syria have been detained by Kurdish forces and 13 people die at massive event in India from extreme heat. Good morning. It's Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. First to Quebec this morning. Back in 2017, Parti Québécois MNA Errol Labelle was accused of sexually assaulting someone. He was elected at the time and details about the survivor were limited, although her identity was leaked by a few journalists violating a publication ban. Labelle was found guilty in 2022. A judge has granted the survivor her request for the publication ban to be dropped, and yesterday she finally was able to tell her story on her own terms. Most people in Quebec know who Catherine Fournier is. When she was just 24, she burst onto the political scene, elected in a by-election in the Montreal riding of Marie-Victorin. She looked up to Labelle, a fellow caucus member, and he helped her navigate the National Assembly. But one night, when Fournier was passing through Rimouski with another person with the Parti Québécois for business, it was decided that they would stay with Labelle partly because the party was bleeding money, and it would save them some money to stay with him. That night, Labelle sexually assaulted Fournier. She then had to sit in the same caucus with him, a stress that eventually convinced her to leave the Parti Québécois and sit in the National Assembly as an independent. Because she was elected in a by-election, there was an election in 2018. Both Fournier and Labelle were re-elected, but she sat as an independent after she was re-elected. She left provincial politics in 2021. Labelle became an independent after the charges were made public and he didn't rerun in the last election. Fournier, by the way, is now the mayor of Longueuil. In a Facebook post, she thanked the police and court officials and talked about how stressful it was for identity to be made public so early in the proceedings. She concluded her post with this. All journeys are valid. Each victim is the sole master of their choices and decisions regarding what they have experienced. You are courageous, all of you, all of us, and I am thinking of you. This is a really important story. It's a reminder that, of course, sexual assault happens everywhere, including among members of the same party. There was a big power imbalance between LaBelle and Fournier. Not only was she just 24, but LaBelle had been first elected before Fournier was even born. And so her coming out now, still in a high profile position as the mayor of Longueuil, it's pretty courageous, pretty impressive. And frankly, we're lucky to have Fournier as a politician. Next to Victoria, where Philip and Sonia Hathaway have been camping out at the B.C. legislature to demand that the state return their newborn baby to them. The couple is from Campbell River, but have been in Victoria since February when Sonia experienced complications related to her pregnancy. Their baby girl was born two months early. The baby stayed in the NICU while the couple lived in a temporary home for people receiving medical care. Sonia is Dene. Victoria News' Holly Ferguson reports that due to, quote, a past legal issue, unquote, Sonia was moved to a transitional house without Philip. The house was in Vancouver, which, in case you haven't ever traveled between these two cities, isn't exactly close. But Sonia was told she'd be able to bring along their child. 
Ferguson reports that the night before they were supposed to leave, caseworkers showed up from the Ministry of Children and Family Development. They apprehended the baby. Philip told Ferguson that they were told to check back, quote, in a day or two, unquote, to find out what was going on. The couple packed their things and went right to the B.C. legislature. Philip said, quote, we're not disappearing. We're not leaving until we get an answer. They still don't know when they'll be able to have their baby back. They're only allowed to see her for 30 minutes per day and they can't go together. Sonia said, quote, we're heartbroken. It's horrible what's happening. It's not right. They're violating my rights and my daughter's rights. She's breastfeeding and they're not doing anything to get the milk. I don't know who has my baby right now. The couple's refusing to leave the legislature without their child. If you'd like to get involved in the struggle to get their daughter back, look up Save Amela. The campaign is called Save Amela, A-M-E-L-L-A, and you'll be able to find out who you can send emails to to demand justice for them. Now to Syria, where two women and three teenage girls have been missing for 10 days. They were supposed to be repatriated to Canada from Kurdish camps, but they missed the flight that was supposed to repatriate them, and they've been missing ever since. In a broken series of phone calls that one of the women made to a relative, she said that they've been detained at two different prisons. Their lawyer, Zachary Al-Khatib, characterized the call as, quote, a very short proof of life call, unquote. The camp is in northeastern Syria. Al-Khatib is furious that the Canadian government didn't ensure the women would be able to safely make their repatriation flight to Canada. CBC's Ashley Burke quotes Global Affairs Canada, saying that they hadn't even heard of the Red Prison at Al-Hol, which is apparently where they have been detained. Al-Hol is just over 300 kilometers from the location of the U.S.-coordinated attacks that killed ISIS leadership near Jarablus the other day. And finally, to the Indian state of Maharashtra, where at least 13 people have died from heatstroke at an award ceremony. It occurred in the city of Navi, Mumbai. Up to 60 people were hospitalized, though the numbers are thought to be underreported, as many people sought medical treatment in different districts. More than one million people were at the ceremony. The state government quickly announced that they would pay 500,000 rupees in compensation to deceased people's families, and they would cover the medical costs related to treatment for anyone else. 500,000 rupees is just over $6,000 American. That day, it was 42 degrees Celsius. A massive heat wave has swept across India. Temperatures in Prayagraj reached 44.6 and in Prada reached 44.2. Heat waves usually happen between March and July in India, but they have been increasing in length and severity due to climate change. And I will mention this, of course, it is strike day. Last night, 155,000 civil servants employed by the Treasury Board and by CRA walked off the job. They had set the deadline Monday morning, saying that if there was not a contract reached by last night, they'd be out. And there was no contract reached. So what does 155,000 civil servants on strike mean? Well, first of all, it's the biggest strike that has happened. People are saying ever, and that might be true, considering the growth of the civil service, though PSAC has had two other very big strikes. The last one was in 2004, which had more than 100,000 people on strike, though it was fewer bargaining units. Before that, they had a massive general strike, and that was in 1991. So there are picket lines in every region of this country today. You can check out where your closest picket line is if you want to join them at workerscantwait.ca. 
The workers are fighting for better wages and more flexibility in their jobs. Might be a bit surprising that these workers have been trying to get the right to work from home or to continue to work from home, and the Treasury Board, the employer of most of the employees, has refused. They want this enshrined in the collective agreement. But it is not just CRA workers and technical workers or secretaries, administrators, IT workers, whatever. There is a ton of other kinds of workers. The federal civil service includes teachers and librarians who work in federal correctional facilities or who work on reserve. They include workers on ships and workers who manage federal buildings. There are photographers and drafters and illustrators and translators and interpreters and a whole other bunch of kinds of workers. So it's fascinating. It's amazing that there's this massive work action. And of course, unfortunate that it's taking a strike action to get the Treasury Board to listen. But after two years of negotiations, this is where they are at. So all solidarity to those workers. And I hope if you have a moment that you can join a picket line. But if you can't do it today, I mean, they might be on strike for a little while. So do it tomorrow or do it Friday. Those are your headlines for today. It is Wednesday, April 19th. I'm Nora and I'll talk to you tomorrow.